As Hurricane Harvey batters Texas and rescue workers do their best to mitigate the enormous damage, President Trump deftly sidesteps the tsunami of negative press that the mainstream media have been waiting to unleash again since this time 12 years ago. Plus, finally, once again, roaming millennial Amanda Presto-Giacomo and Nake Jared join the panel of deplorables to discuss Amazon's Whole Foods price cut, Obama's soon-to-be-deported dreamers, and a new study on the best ways to buy happiness. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. Well, everybody, happy National Bowtie Day. It is, you may have noticed, a little something different about my appearance. This one was given to me by a Republican political operative buddy of mine, Bill, in New York. I think he got it at the Union League Club there, which is a conservative club. And I, I will say, I think that all men should know how to tie a bow tie. It is a skill that any good gentleman should know, and you should use that skill very rarely, or else you become like Bill Nye or something. Um, Bill Nye, the not very scientific guy. So uh, happy National Bow Tie Day. I hope you all celebrate as well. And uh, I also have to thank a little bit of news over the weekend. We were off, we didn't have a show on Friday, and I came home on Friday. I never check my mail, so my mailbox is stuffed with like 100 Wall Street journals and letters and stuff. And there's a letter in there from the White House. There's a letter from, so I open it up, and it's from President Trump, actually. Uh, he was thanking me for my literary contribution, and uh, I think the, the letter said, congratulations on your success. Keep up the good works. <laughs> Thank you, President Trump, a true supporter of scholarship and fine literature. I really appreciate it. And speaking of President Trump and doing a good job, we have his response to Hurricane Harvey. So just in short, I'm sure you've all been seeing the news clips and reading about it. This has been truly a catastrophe. It's been even worse than anyone predicted. There are six people confirmed dead already, but rescue workers haven't even gotten to the hardest hit parts of Houston and, and other parts of Texas. Uh, Houston's expected to get a total of 50 inches of rain. That's, a, that's an annual total in two or three days. Um, they, they got 20 inches of rain within 24 hours. There, have, there are more than 3,000 National Guard troops deployed already, 130 mile an hour winds, and President Trump will travel to Texas on Tuesday, so he'll travel tomorrow. Now, the, the similarities between this and Hurricane Katrina are pretty eerie, actually. Uh, Hurricane Katrina happened almost 12 years to the day before Hurricane Harvey did. Uh, the, uh, Katrina was on August 29th, Harvey's on August 25th. Both presidents were on vacation. Uh, President Trump was at Camp David as this was happening. The media uh, have both been waiting to pounce on the, on the presidents for things that are beyond their control. Uh, they're both ready to criticize all of the verbal responses. So last week, before going to Camp David, President Trump was asked if he had last-minute advice for Texas before the hurricane made landfall. This was his response. The audio is a little bit hard to hear, but he's asked, as he's walking to the helicopter, he's asked, do you have any advice for the people of Texas? He says, good luck. Just a perfectly reasonable thing to say, except that the president is now expected to give grand statements of spiritual consolation and you know high-minded high advice. And that's just not what this president is for. This president is a guy who just goes into deregulation. He's a guy who's moving around all of his uh, his administrators. He's a guy who's in the weeds uh, in the politics, but he doesn't really rise up to this 
uh, great moral uh, speaker in a way that we've come to expect from presidents. You know, President Obama was sort of the opposite. All he would do is give these grandiose speeches and he couldn't actually accomplish anything through uh, his own policies or through pushing legislation. So he's been uh, roundly criticized for saying that. You could see the mainstream media had their fangs out to just uh, rip this guy to shreds. You know, uh, President Trump was asked what to say to Texas. He says, good luck. You know, it was everywhere, Washington Post. Politico ran a piece that was very honest about the political perils of this storm, knowing what happened to President Bush and Hurricane Katrina. So you, you remember during Hurricane Katrina, here was President Bush's response just a, a few days after uh, he, he had been criticized for his lack of a response to the natural disaster. Americans have every right to expect a more effective response in a time of emergency. When the federal government fails to meet such an obligation, I as president am responsible for the problem and for the solution. So President Bush, as always, he's taking responsibility, even when it isn't exactly his responsibility to take. The troubles with Katrina were largely failures of local government, of Democrats who destroyed that city, who didn't prepare for these storms, didn't uh, have sufficient levees to keep the water out. And, and the federal government did respond. He was criticized for not going to Louisiana, uh, it, which he said he didn't do because he didn't want to cause more trouble there and make it more difficult to lead the recovery efforts. Nevertheless, this still wasn't enough. And then we got the most famous criticism of President Bush's response from that famed, that world-renowned psychologist, Kanye West. Just to imagine if I was, if I was down there and those are, those are my people down there. So anybody out there that wants to do anything that we can help with, with the setup, the way America is set up to help the, um, uh, the poor, the, the black people, the, uh, the less well off as slow as possible i mean this is red cross is doing everything they can we, we already realize a lot of the people that could help are at war right now fighting another way and they, they they've given them permission to go down and shoot us george bush doesn't care about black people please call <laughs> Mike Mike Myers's response there, looking at Kanye West, that, that poor guy. I like was a, just like, did, did, did I stutter? Yeah, just a, a, like a train just hit him. Uh, and of course, there's the ever eloquent Kanye West. I'm not. They say that to write well is to think clearly. That's why it's so hard. I think the same might be true of speaking. So anyway, none of this was enough for President Bush. He I made the right decision not to go to New Orleans and not to further uh, add to the chaos. President Trump is not making these mistakes. He is. He has clearly learned from his predecessor. He knows the media. If President Bush was the the worst at maneuvering around the mainstream media of, of any modern president, President Trump is. He's a creature of it. He was made for it. He he is the media. I think that's why he's so good at navigating through them. So. Uh, what's he doing now? He's tweeting. He's tweeting a lot. He knows he's unlikely to get a fair shake in the press, so he's going to write the story himself. He sent out 22 tweets in the last few days uh, himself about Hurricane Harvey, and then four retweets of local officials and other federal officials, Pruitt and Vice President Pence. The vast majority of his Twitter timeline is him talking about Hurricane Harvey. We get, as Hurricane Harvey intensifies, remember to plan ahead. I have spoken with Governor Abbott of Texas, Louisiana Governor Edwards, closely monitoring Hurricane Harvey. You can't tell me I'm not monitoring. I told you myself. I received a Hurricane Harvey briefing this morning. I encourage everyone in the path of Hurricane Harvey to heed the advice. Just arrived at Camp David, where I am closely watching the path and doings of Hurricane Harvey. 
Be safe, in that wonderful Trumpian fashion of all caps and an exclamation point. On and on, we will remain fully engaged with open lines of communication. To ensure your safety ahead of Harvey, heed the warnings. He's, he's repeating himself even, but he will not be accused of not paying attention to this and of letting the, this disaster consume the local area uh, without a federal response. The mainstream media are furious. They are furious that he's handling this well. So Vox uh, tweeted out a headline, President Trump's response to Hurricane Harvey devastation. Wow, Trump's bowled over by Harvey's size and scale, not its impact on victims. Absolutely ridiculous. In one of these 26 tweets, he used the word wow to describe an unprecedented hurricane in Texas. I think that's fair enough. And if that weren't enough for Vox, they said, here's when President Trump's response to Hurricane Harvey will really matter. Whatever he says while it's unfolding matters far less than what he does in the coming weeks. They're, they're basically admitting we were hoping that this guy would screw it up while it's happening, just like President Bush did. He didn't. So now we have to say that doesn't really matter, even though three days ago they said that he needed a robust response while it was happening, that good luck wasn't enough. So now they're saying we just need to watch the coming weeks. That is not enough. And, and all of this misses the point a little bit on the difference between the federal government and the state and local governments. This is a regional issue, it's a state issue. So we're all turning to the president to see how the federal government is going to react. Really, I think this undercuts a lot of the federalism and the principles of limited government that we constantly are talking about on the right. CNN, believe it or not, CNN, which John Nolte assures me is Hitler and ISIS, CNN was shockingly somewhat honest in their headline today. They said, quote, no. I know this is, this is truly a magical day. Maybe we, we've all just been wiped into the apocalypse and we're, we're seeing the impossible. The qu quote, Trump meeting and tweeting his Harvey moment. So CNN is acknowledging Trump is really rising to the occasion here. He's plugged in. He's being uh, serious in his response. He's not yelling at celebrities or something. He's being uh, earnest and he's actually talking to officials and, and broadcasting that for all of us. They had to get that little jibe in that he's tweeting about it. But the only reason he's tweeting about it is because you guys wouldn't give him a fair shake if he didn't. If he didn't have that direct line of communication to the American people, all we would be hearing is a replay of 2005 and Donald Trump doesn't care about black people. I don't know how many black people there are in Houston, but uh, Donald Trump doesn't care about Texans or something like that. And fortunately for him and for us, on the right and as Americans, he is able to sidestep those Democrat hacks. With that, we have to bring on our panel. This is a very special day. This is the longest that I have gone since launching my show without speaking to Roaming Millennial. It has been hell. I have the shakes. I've been in withdrawal. We have Roaming Millennial back. We have Amanda Prestigiacomo from The Daily Wire back. We just had her in studio last week. And Not Gay Jared, the one and only Not Gay Jared, host of The Morning Grinders, and he's on some other guy's show with some Somewhere. kind of mug or so. I, I don't know, I'm, I forget the details. Uh, Roaming, what role, has the, has, what role has the tweeting played in this news cycle? I think it's actually been really smart of Trump to say, like you said, almost not overdo it, but just really make sure to cover all his bases. Like make sure that there's no way that anyone can accuse him of not taking this seriously or, you know, trying to sidestep this. I mean, I think if the Charlottesville incident kind of taught him anything, it's that he needs to be, you know, almost shove it down these people's throats, mm. like what he thinks, what he cares about. And so, I, as always with his Twitter, I think he has this great tool 
to just reach out to people and kind of even sidestep any of the need to go through the media to communicate with his base and even people who are critical of him. And I think, you know, there have been some rough instances of his Twitter use, but this is an instance where he's actually done a good job, in my opinion. That's right. And he hasn't tweeted very much about Charlottesville. In, in, he was basically silent about it until he gave that statement, and it seemed to come back and bite him. Do you think he should have used Twitter during Charlottesville, too? You know what? I was someone who I was satisfied with his initial condemnation of all violence, hatred and bigotry. And I was further satisfied by his explicit condemnation of neo-Nazis and the KKK. Unbelievable uh, during, that you would allow that kind of racist right? rhetoric to Weird. go on. You know, kind of taking him as, at his word. It's this new thing. <laughs> but, it, you know, he actually did, I think, initially tweet out at least one thing, uh, you know, condemning violence generally on Twitter. But if we look at people like Paul Ryan, Marco Rubio, and, uh, you know, even someone like Mitt Romney, who were very, uh, very vocal about this on social media, they're people who the, you know, mainstream media have actually been praising in regards to this. Uh, so for, I don't know, the leftist elites, at least, that is more what they were looking for. But again, you know, I think there are people that they're just never going to be happy with anything he does anyway. Right. So he might as well get his message out there. Not gay, Jared. Right. Were the attacks on Bush during Hurricane Katrina? And I know you were like four during Hurricane Katrina. I was, yeah. You can gosh. barely remember this, but were the attacks on him fair? Looking back on it now through the lens of Hurricane Harvey, was it fair, or uh, or did he did he just not fight back against an unfair media narrative? I think Trump really has paved the way for the pushback. I don't know that. It's such a different world we live in now compared to back then. You know, there was no Twitter uh, for for Bush to take advantage of to right. to you know get his message out there. I don't know. I think, gosh, how how old would I have been? I would have been 15, 15 when all this happened. So for me to even look back through the lens of today, it's not only just warped and so different, radically different, the way the media is. I think the the presentation, the pushback that we as conservatives have on against the media, just, it didn't exist. I would have liked, in hindsight, to see Bush maybe push back a lot more and not take, you know, the blame for things that maybe weren't his fault. But um, that's a difficult one. I don't know. 2017 just changes everything. It changes the lens of you, you, when you try to force history through that lens. It becomes really weird and awkward place, kind of like I was in a, a 15 year old, <laughs> not, not looking at the news, not nearly at, that uh, weird and awkward. Things. Certainly, I, no, you. That's a great point. We are hitting Bush a lot, I think, because he didn't fight back. He never pushed back on the media. All of these awful Bush lied people died, no war for oil, all these lies that they promoted. But the question is, how would he have fought back? You know, Donald Trump is a creature of reality TV that he essentially made himself. And back then, there was no real direct line of communication. That's true. We might be, we might be a little unfair to Mr. George W. Bush. Amanda, we're very... I'm sorry, go there ahead. Would, like can you imagine if there would have been Bush Twitter, though? I mean, we kind of missed out on something potentially great there. I'm actually a little bit upset thinking it's about how great, great that could have been. I hear a Netflix series in the I making. I don't think he would have given right? given the media quite the gifts Trump does, though, sometimes. So when you know when Trump does come out, I had a problem. Was it yesterday, Sunday, Saturday, Trump came out and tweeted something about his winning bigly in Missouri kind of tweets? I. I I do think Trump needs to be careful with not handing the media. They're not going to let him win no matter what. But when you hand them gifts, when they say you're the dumbest president in the in the history of the presidency, and you come out and stare directly into the sun, that's a gift. <laughs> Don't give the media gifts to run with because it's 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 not helping you at all. So it takes away from the things he does that are legitimately, um, you know, smart, wise, strategic moves as a president. It's also just, literally you know, a gift. 
It's also literally a, a moving literally image a, of him yeah. staring at the a sun. <laughs> and a gift. Well, he proved they were fake news, right? Looked at the sun, still not blind. So take that, science. Absolutely. They, people, he showed the opposite of what people were saying he was showing. You know, <laughs> they said, how dare he doesn't believe the fake news, so he's going to blind himself. Doesn't look blind to me. Looks like he has great vision, vision for the future. Him. Amanda, why are we so focused on the federal response here? This is basically a state and regional issue. Obviously, it's a tremendous state and regional issue, but the federal government has promised to support state and local governments. Why aren't we looking at the governors? Why is everything focused on the president? Yeah, well, this is what happened during Katrina. Um, it was actually President Bush did a fine job, but it's the local level that fumbled everything and he got blamed for it. And like we saw in that video clip, George W. Bush, because he's just an honorable guy, took responsibility when he shouldn't have. That mm -hmm. wasn't his fault. They were stonewalling him. They told him, no, like, we don't stand down. We don't need you. We don't need help. They, the evacuation was terrible. They delayed it way too long. Um, that was all their fumble. And this is a local regional thing. Um, and now we look at what's going on in Texas and there was much better management at the local and um, state level. And that's why we're seeing this great success. Yes, President Trump is offering support as he should. So did George W. Bush. The difference is the optics. Uh, George W. Bush says that, you know, I'm sorry, it's my fault. Donald Trump goes to his Twitter feed and shows, um, no, I'm doing this, this, and this. We're I'm doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's the difference. I mean, this is a local state thing, and then of course the federal government is there for support, but this is more local than anything else. I even found his good luck to be clearly well-intentioned and, and fairly on point. Yeah. He's not saying yeah. we're going to abandon you in the storm. He's saying this, exactly. obviously, we're not going to be able to effectively control disaster relief from thousands of miles away. So good luck, take care of yourselves, and we'll be there when, when you need to recover. Yeah, it doesn't matter what he said, they were going to jump on him anyway. So even a good luck triggered them, so. Absolutely. All right, we have to say goodbye now to Facebook and YouTube. It makes me sad. It makes me as sad as it makes you. But you can turn it all around by going to dailywire.com right now and subscribing. It's $10 a month or $100 a year. You get me, Andrew Clavin, The Ben Shapiro Show, and The Leftist Tears Tumblr. It is the, the only vessel for yeah. having your delicious leftist tears. It keeps them hot or cold, always salty and delicious. One thing I love doing, I've lost my earpiece. One thing I love doing <laughs> is storing my... Uh, Steven Crowder mug in the leftist tears tumbler. I get to drink them both. It's very, very delicious. Uh, come over five right now to thedailywire.com. Thank you to everyone who's already subscribing. We appreciate it. We'll be right back. I got so excited by that that I lost my earpiece. Came right out of my head. But luckily, I think I can still hear you all. We'll see. Now I'll just look like a robot for the rest of the show. Uh, okay, we need to move on to very important news. Amazon has purchased the overpriced left-wing yuppie food chain Whole Foods in recent weeks. And on their first day of operations, they have cut prices by 43%. Now, I'm very excited because it's the only place to get broccoli rob, which is my favorite vegetable. And also because even after selling a blank book and making it number one in the world, I can't afford to shop at Whole Foods. It's not. It's out of my price range. So this is great news as far as I'm concerned. Romy, there are a lot of worries about Amazon having a virtual monopoly, uh, tons of control. Uh, but if it'll get us cheaper fish, should we really care? Should we worry about these tech giants amassing all this power? Well, I think, you know, worrying about monopolies in the age where Google controls 
pretty much everything. It's definitely a legitimate concern. But when it comes to Amazon and Whole Foods specifically, you know, there are so many competitors out there at the moment. I don't think we need to be worried just yet. But I am really curious about, you know, all these price cuts they're doing. It's too early to say now, but I, I'm really wanting to know what's going on internally, like what kind of changes they're making to the way the company is run that they're able to do this, right? I mean, because I, like anyone, you know, I want to eat healthy, but I also want to pay I don't know, rent, right? So for the longest time, I've always thought like Whole Foods is just like a place you don't go, like a Lamborghini dealership. But now, you know, I'll just get some of the price drops and yeah, it's so much more affordable. And I'm just wondering how they're doing it. Like, is this like predatory pricing? Are they just trying to, you know, make everyone go out of business and then they jack it up? Like, I'm actually curious as to what's going on in Whole Foods where they're managing to make these massive cuts. I wonder that as well. The same question could be true of Amazon, but Amazon keeps its prices relatively low. Amanda, on that, everybody talks about loving mom and pop shops. It's so nice. It's the old America Main Street, but nobody actually shops there because the prices are too high. Should we embrace our corporate overlords? Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm not one of these people who think Wal who thinks Walmart is evil or any of these big corporations are evil. They hire a lot of people. They help, um, you know, people with lower income to buy goods and services. Um, that said, I do wish there were more people, you know, supporting local businesses. My, I, growing up, my dad had a local, a small bakery, a small, small businesses, and it just, it just, you know, that sense of community that we don't have anymore, you know, helping your neighbors and going to your neighbor's store, um, that, that would be nice. But at the same token, I mean, Walmart and, um, you know, now this merger with Amazon with, with Whole Foods, they're driving prices down and that does help consumers and that does help um, you know, your, your, your options and, um, for low, low price, decent quality goods. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a balance. Right. I don't ever borrow cups of sugar from my neighbor. You know, I don't think that, I don't think anybody's right. done that in about 40 years because you can just get a yeah. drone from Amazon to deliver it to you, to deliver a whole bag <laughs> of sugar. So much there, right. there goes the old American community, I guess. Okay. I actually don't know my neighbor's names. I'm just realizing Same. now. Well, is that just yeah. because you're in Asia and you can't pronounce it or something? Or do you mean in America? Well, both. I, I don't know. I'm just, yeah, I've never had it in my mind. Like, I should introduce myself to the neighbors. Maybe that's awful, but I'm just like, uh, I don't know. When I'm don't. home, it's like doors locked, sweatpants are on, like, you know. Yeah. Go, go with Mr. Lee. You're, you're bound my to be correct. My special It's like a one in ten it's a fair bet, yeah. And maybe, you know, it's roaming. I've seen the way some people uh, post on YouTube and tweet to you. I would just keep the door locked, keep the gun loaded. These guys, they're, they're crazy. <laughs> you don't need to be introducing yourselves to them. Okay, we have to move on to the fake news. In typically hysterical fashion, the New York Times reports today, this is the headline, quote, Dreamer plan that aided 800,000 immigrants is threatened. The, dream, the dreamers, the dreamer plan for those 800,000 immigrants, not illegal aliens, they're immigrants of a mm -hmm. dubiously legal variety. Now, uh, <laughs> former President Obama's Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, immigration plan may not survive legal scrutiny for the simple reason that it's illegal. Can you imagine that? Roaming, is DACA deader than Disco? I think so, and dreamers, and you know, even the concept kind of, even more broadly than dreamers of, uh, you know, citizenship through birth, that's something that I think a lot of people are looking at more closely into how it's affecting immigration patterns because, you know, I think everybody sympathizes with people who were brought over when they were younger, when they had no choice. And not gay Jared does not. He's a psychopath. He does not sympathize with Right. He doesn't, he doesn't care. 
Uh, but, you know, these, these kids, it wasn't their fault. But at the same time, we have to think about this logically. If we do give all of these people who were, you know, brought even, you know, against their will, they didn't have a choice with their parents, if we give them status, literally that's just going to encourage more people to do it, right? Because what you're doing is sending a message to people that, hey, if you come here illegally, you know, you might still be in trouble, but there's a chance that your ch child will be okay. And, you know, America is probably the number one most wanted place to come for immigrants. And there are people out there who will take that chance, who will risk themselves being deported or put in jail just for their kids to have that legal status. So I think the idea of giving dreamers status is just is very dangerous and it sets a very bad precedent. It creates this awful incentive that's only going to lead to more crime, obviously more. And the, the conditions when you cross that border, I think I read some study that about 80% of women and girls who cross are sexually assaulted. There are a lot of people are maimed. They have to go through these awful cartels. But Amanda, isn't it a little uncompassionate? to deport these kids who, they didn't make a choice to come here, they just found themselves here at the age of two, so they broke the law, but you know they were toddlers. Isn't it uncompassionate to ship them back home? They've already built a life here? Yeah, that, see, politically, this is a tough situation. This is not the most politically advantageous thing to do to, to support um, these, these children, the DACA um, people who, who were basically unconstitutionally given uh, citizenship or legal status um, under President Obama and benefits and such. Um, but politically, it's not the, the most savory thing to send them back. But the thing is, as Roaming was saying, it sets a really dangerous precedent and a really bad incentive for this stuff to keep happening. Um, they, they, President Trump should end the DACA program. Um, I know that there's talks that he's going to try to get the RAISE Act pushed through, um, you know, to kind of, and then like keep DACA in place, kind of save that, and then get the Raise Act through, which would be fantastic, um, just simply because of the politics of it. Um, there are even Trump supporters, a majority of Trump supporters, who are not like gung-ho on, on ending DACA, um, who are okay with, with leaving these children here or these people who are now grown um, here. It's not the most politically advantageous thing to do. That said, I think you got to get rid of it. I mean, you, you got to stop it because it is such a dangerous precedent and it is unconstitutional. We are a land of laws. It's clearly it's illegal. Really yeah. yeah. And you never see that reported, I, by the way. You never see it reported that uh, a plurality or a majority of Trump supporters don't think we should just yeah. boot the kids out right away because that would obviously <laughs> well, contradict the narrative. It's like 75% or something. Yeah. But uh, Amanda raises a great point with the Raise Act, and that's something I hadn't even thought about. But, you know, if we if there was an immigration system in place that favored high school immigrants that spoke English and, you know, went to American universities and, you know, higher uh, higher learning institutions, you know, there would be a possibility for these dreamers to just apply for citizenship naturally or, you know, legal status naturally through that Raise Act because I'm sure, you know, many of these people, they're, they're skilled, they have an education. So, you know, this is kind of an issue where perhaps we're not even looking from this from the right perspective. Absolutely. The problem is Sorry, go ahead, Nake, Jared. Oh, I was say the problem is too. You, you go to every leftist website, every HuffPo website is reporting on dreamers, and in the background you can hear the Sarah McLaughlin music playing, trying to keep <laughs> these people right. The and I get it, I get it. It's sad, but for every every hardworking, you know, English speaking, tax paying, educated dreamer, we've got we've got Jose over here stabbing people. So who's on the same umbrella? So we do He's referring to a, a real people. person, by the way. In the studio, real there is an illegal immigrant <laughs> named Jose stabbing people. Yeah, it's a real problem. It keeps away the riffraff. I'm in Texas, so we're in a, we're in a feet of water here as we speak. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> exactly.
But, you know, Miss Millennial is right. We do. It can't be plan A. So I think what Trump is doing is in kind of using it as some chips to play with kind of the, the Democrats yeah. on this thing to say, hey, build a wall because either we need to yank this program or, or nothing. It's all or nothing, because if you don't have the wall, if you don't have things in place that can really curb immigration, um, you know, illegal immigration, it doesn't work because then it, it does yeah. become plan A for people. That's what I would do if I was over there. I would just hop the border, throw my kid and say, we're good as we're done. Americans. Right. And I July. think Trump supporters, Trump supporters would be okay with getting money to fund a wall and having the Raise Act pass. So we can get Congress to, you know, coalesce around that, and then Trump maybe defers on DACA and lets that go. Trump supporters are not going to be upset. I mean, the Raise Act would be huge. It's going to cap refugees. Um, again, it's a system that looks at who we want. We get to choose who comes into our system. It's not just family based on relatives. Um, it cuts immigration in half. So th this would be a huge, a huge win to kind of, as Jared was saying, you know, use it as leverage. And I think he could do that. And walls. Yeah, we, yeah, we got rid of DAPA, right? We were sitting at DAPA, DAPA yeah, for parents. parents. Wasn't it like last yeah. month or two months ago? Yeah. yeah, that's silly. Yeah. And your your point, Jared. Walls work if you <laughs> if you build institutions and organizations and physical barriers to keep people from coming over. Then you can talk about DACA or the Dreamers or whatever the euphemism they want to use. It's showing, Michael, because if you, if you don't know this, <laughs> when you build a wall, it's really about the birds. If you heard um, uh, Jeff Corwin talking about it, so you know, the birds. The birds have a real problem. It's going to just screw up the ecosystem. I know. Because birds apparently can't fly over walls. I wear my species privilege on my sleeve. It's disgusting. Sometimes I disgust myself. Now we need to talk about happiness. Now that we've talked about the dream Dreamers and Dreaming, we need to talk about happiness. A new study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, reports that you can buy happiness. Uh, money spent on things does not apparently increase your happiness, but money spent on things that save you time uh, does buy happiness, so it's a great idea and you should save your pennies. Nake Jared, is this just yeah. because we're soft and lazy and need more time to watch TV on the couch? Oh gosh, I don't know. It could be. I've, I, I used to never think you could buy happiness, but one time I got to write on a yacht someone else's someone else owned and, and I became a believer you could potentially you could buy. buy it there's a cost for that yacht and you could buy it and and what exactly. this study is saying is that it's actually saying if you buy the yacht it that won't necessarily make you happier which makes me sure. question the science in the yeah. beginning but uh, it says if you buy a vacuum cleaner or a laundry machine or a dishwasher it will make you happier because it'll save your time hmm. from doing mundane tasks and roaming it, is this part of a larger trend because in decadent times like ours, we don't like to do drudgery that characterized all of humanity until about 60 years ago. So, you know, Adam pruned the Garden of Eden, right? We've always done these kind of mundane tasks. Is there something that we lose by not doing that, by farming it out to our computer or our dishwasher or something? Well, this is a hard question for me to answer because on the one hand, I think that definitely as a society, as individuals, we're becoming a lot more, I don't want to say lazy, but yeah, lazy. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, if there's, it's not automated, we won't even think to do ourselves just because that's not the mentality we've been brought up. You know, we can either pay someone else to do it or outsource it to someone or have a computer do it. You know, on the other hand, I'm very lazy and I like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I'm conflicted. <laughs> about this but you know I think especially when I look at children who are I mean I guess generation Z even younger I mean they're they're growing up with without having to do things like 
I don't know, like even worry about landlines, right? Everyone has a cell phone now. You don't even have to worry about the constraints of a wire and just just stuff like that. I think that we're not necessarily happier, but I would say that we are more comfortable and a lot of people are conflating comfort with happiness. And you know, we're so busy. We have so many things to do now with all of my new responsibilities at the Daily Wire. If if I don't get a solid 14 hours of sleep, I am useless (laughs) the next day. I can't do my show and I guess that's pretty much all I'm doing now. of course. I need it. I need that beauty sleep. Otherwise, I'm going to look just awful in National Bowtie Day. Amanda, you are the saltiest writer at the Daily Wire, I think. I think maybe even including Ben. What makes you happy? What's the key? Yeah, um, this is going to sound really cliche, but it's really not. I, I, I enjoy bothering feminists quite a bit. It really is. Fun. I mean, they, they I literally, there's, there's like endless blogs about me, and I, I just think they're really funny, and I get a lot of joy out of that, and it's not any money. Like, I get paid to do it. I actually make money doing it, and it's just, it, it brings me serious joy. I mean, it sounds cliche, but I'm, I genuinely enjoy when I'm Plus, you have this, deli- this great Tumblr. You can catch all those tears and keep them yeah, for yourself, so you, you get the time and the things. Yeah, it's fantastic. That's amazing. Not gay, Jared, what makes you happy? Mug Club makes me happy. Or Tumblr's. Tumblr's are pretty awesome, too, I hear. I, I, I don't know. I can't confirm. You know, while we're talking merch, I got to say, I, I see your T-shirt, and I can't really read. What does the T-shirt say? It is uh, socialism is for figs. It's for figs, and it's that Che Guevara shirt with a, with a limp wrist. That is right. That is right. And um, it's the quickest way to not only trigger people, but probably get punched in the face as well. As, uh, many of our followers have. I always love the and actually, subtlety at Louder with Crowder. You guys, you, you yeah, paint real with subtle. such a subtle brush. Real subtle. And uh, coming soon, I believe, we have some onesies coming uh, to the Louder Crop story. There's actually there's actually a checkbox on them say, yes, I, I, I acknowledge I am a horrible parent. Well, I'm going uh, to bleach my eyes whenever you and Mr. Crowder start wearing that. Roaming, what makes you happy? This is gonna sound really petty, but I've gotten to this habit on Twitter where if there's someone who's trolling me, I'll like follow them back and then like not harass them, but just like oh, like a little bit until they block me. <laughs> um, so I've had a lot of fun with that recently, and that is extremely petty. And I apologize to anyone who follows me on Twitter because a lot of the time I'm just fighting with strangers. But yeah, I, I would have to say you know if I had to choose something, yeah. Roaming, you just, this was a big mistake because now every <laughs> single person who wants you to follow them is going to start fighting with you on Twitter. <laughs> that is, I well, feel like people do that anyway. <laughs> that's fair enough. All right, you guys, you have your assignments, listeners. Guys, thank you for being here. Amanda Presta Giacomo, Nake Jared, and finally back again, Roaming Millennial. Now it's time for my smart glasses and the final thought. Endless think pieces have spilt ink over the question of President Trump's tweeting. It occasionally undercuts his policy priorities, contradicts his cabinet members and campaign surrogates, even occasionally raises the prospect of legal trouble. But Hurricane Harvey exposes all those worries for mere trifles. President Trump's attention to the natural disaster, and more importantly, coordination with local and state first responders, has been able and admirable. But we should remember that President Bush comported himself relatively well during Hurricane Katrina as well, despite the utterly failed response of local governments and a barrage of unfair negative press. The difference today is that President Trump sidesteps the mainstream media to speak directly to the American people and show them what he and his administration are doing without the filter of Democrat operatives who masquerade as journalists. That direct communication has even made the mainstream media, in this case, 
bend the knee and admit that the president is doing well. Miracles abound. So keep tweeting, Mr. President. And you said it once. I'll say it again and again and again, despite the constant negative press. Kofefe. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Come back tomorrow. We'll do it all again.